Good morning, everybody. Hello. For those of us who look at the newsletter, I'm not Tim. Tim was meant to share today, actually. Um, we always partner with the uh, sports chaplains across Australia and Tim as a representative and part of this church. We always give Tim a chance to come and share with us how we can use sports as part of our extended ministry here to Kerang. And Tim was preparing for that, but unfortunately, he's not feeling well. So we leave it for today, but uh, when Tim gets well, we'll give him a chance to come and share with us, even if it's a different day. So for those of us who are not prepare your jerseys, prepare them and keep them ready. When Tim comes, we'll be able to go back to that. I thought I'll put on mine today because it's still our sports Sunday uh, in my house. We, we go for the Cowboys. Some people are looking. Um, it, it's just because when we watch Origin in our house, we, we always feel like we are Queenslanders. To some extent, I don't know why, but we always follow the Maroons. So Cowboys is our team and... Uh, Last night, if you came to our house, I don't know whether anybody would have listened to you because Cowboys were actually playing in the, in the finals and they beat the Sharks yesterday. But I can tell you the passion, the energy, the, the power. I mean, you, you can't even sit on your seat because that game, I think it went full-time. It was 30-30 and then there was extra time and, no, and then it went to sudden death. But eventually, the Cowboys won, as you know. Um, so today, as we celebrate Sports Sunday, I want to say that uh, you can respect your team. For those of us, that your team is out of the finals. You can cheer them anyway. But as I think about sports, I think about worship. And I was asking myself, If you took worship in our daily walk for Christ, the way we take sports, how far can we travel in our journey that we can surrender everything in our house, disconnect all our communication and tune on to our TVs and cheer the team that probably We've never met the players, the coach, or any of those people. As a soccer player, I love watching Premier League. But I've never been to England to actually walk in those stadiums and watch them play. And I know many times when they lose, I feel like I've lost something. You feel the pain with them, even though you're far away from, me, from them. I feel with the players. I feel sad. I feel, I feel like something is not, is not making sense. And also, as I was thinking about sports today, I thought about one of our best clubs back in Kenya. And this guy was watching this team play. And after the game, he went home, and the wife was actually laughing at him. 
And for lack of, you know, understanding and frustration, he ended up slapping the wife. And it became a domestic violence issue. <laughs> so what I'm saying, this thing can push us to another level. They can move us from, they can move our emotions. They can move us to a different of frustration or joy in our lives. So sports is part of us. But I was to think about sports today. I want us to think about worship. And uh, Mike, if you can put for us the clip over there. My question to each of us today, as you think about worship, I want you to ask this question. Why do you worship? Why is worship so important for us as Christians? And I heard somebody make this comment one day that uh, worship is the only thing that God cannot do for himself. I'm not sure how true that is, but it just made some sense in some way that he cannot worship himself. He can do everything else he can, he can do or he wants to do, but he can't worship himself. And that's why worship is between two people. We have a God in heaven and us that he created us to worship him. I mean, we'd have said it's okay. I don't need you guys. But he created everything to worship him, to give him glory, to honor him, to live for him. As I unpack this scripture, uh, I just quickly move, move from the readings because I know Linda did a good job just read through the scriptures um, and go direct to the message itself. But if you brought your Bible, you can be looking at Luke chapter 7, verse 36 to 50. Luke 7, 37, I mean, um, 36 to 50. I was looking at the dictionary today, and uh, I mean, the other day, and just saying that describes worship as a, as a reverence offered to a divine being or a supernatural power. But it's also an act of expressing such a reverence. You know, sometimes you express it, you know, you, you, either through giving or through singing, through dancing. And for some of us, even you may not sing in church, but sometimes when you're in the shower in the morning, you, you, you want to express it and sing a little bit. It's okay to do it. But why do we do it? I think that's my key question today. Looking at our values, our core values the other day, we discovered that worship plays a big part in our Christian walk. Worship plays a key part in our Christian walk. Amen. 
You know, when I talk about worship, I don't mean the singing. You know, for, for us, singing is okay as an expression. But when I talk about singing, I mean glorifying God in all that I do as a believer, as a Christian. It's not just about singing. It's not just about prayer. Prayer could be an expression of that. Singing could be an expression of that. Dancing can be. But I'm talking the overall worship of God. Why do you glorify God in your life and in your journey? There's a debate among theologians whether this is the same woman whom John named her as Mary the sister of Martha and Lazarus in John chapter 12, verse 1 to 12. But also it's been recorded in Mark chapter 14, verse 3 to 9. And also this story has been recorded in Matthew 26, 6 to 13. But a lot of these stories, they just said this woman They don't tell us the name. But in the event, in Luke 7, 36 to 50, this woman is referred to as a non-sinful woman. And it takes place in the northern region, as Luke indicates in other verses. Jesus was ministering in the northern regions of Nain and Capernaum. It's quite interesting because last week I was here and I was talking about ladies. And today I'm still talking about ladies. So it's God's favor, ladies, that I want to mention you the second time again. And, and, and mine is just to not exactly to, to sideline men, but I know that men were there. But I feel there's something special about women that God is doing in the Bible. That every story I read about whether they had challenges, whether they came from where, it always comes from women. Whether it's all about adultery and somebody had to be stoned, comes the ladies. But the men were there, but they were never stoned. It came to the ladies who were denied food. The Hellenic community in the book of Acts talks about the women. And sometimes I ask myself, what happened to men? In those days. So ladies, you are special before God. And today, the author of this book of Luke, he referred to this lady as a known sinful woman. Luke does not tell us precisely where this incident occurred, nor the name of the city. But we see the main characters, we see the main characters as Jesus, Simon the Pharisee, and the woman with a dirty reputation. It is interesting that Luke gives us the name of the, the host, but not of the woman. Omitting her name is, in, a, in my opinion, a gracious act probably done on purpose. I don't know why, for whatever reason. But Luke is telling us that the host of this party, his name was Simon, the Pharisee. 
where this battle was taking place. At first, it appears that there are two people equally zealous to see Jesus. Simon the Pharisee and the sinful woman, whom the name is not given. Simon could easily converse with Jesus in the comfort of his home around a meal. For the woman getting closer to Jesus was no easy matter. I want you to think about this lady. You have such a reputation in the community. They're not even giving you a name. You are described as a sinner. That is how you're described in the community. They know you as a sinner. You're walking to this place where we have this, for lack of a better word, the who and who in the kingdom of God, the priests, probably wearing the official attires with a collar, whatever they're wearing at that particular time. And this woman walks in that particular place. I want you to picture this yourself. This woman walks in this home where this party is taking place. I want you to imagine how many of us would even entertain that for a minute. Because somebody is coming to spoil your party with a bad reputation in your home. But this lady, she finds herself in this particular home. Whether she was invited or not, I'm not sure. The Bible does not tell us. But she finds herself in this particular home, in the presence of Jesus Her sinful life, most likely known to all who lived in that her town, made it difficult for her, a woman to seek out Jesus, a man. Even if she owned a home, she could not even have invited Jesus. Therefore, this would have been inappropriate because of her history. As I read this story, the question that came to my mind on why we worship. If God was looking for people that are purely clean as gold, if God was looking for people that are sinless, if God was looking for people that are, that are going to heaven tomorrow, this woman would not be in the presence of Jesus. None of us will be lifting our hands to worship God. And many times we point fingers to people and say how they are pretending because we know who they are in the society. But as I was reading this story, I was challenged in my heart. I was challenged as a Christian. I was challenged as a pastor. That how many times we put people off because they don't deserve to be in the presence of Christ. 
How many times we put people off because they don't deserve to worship Christ? How many times do we put people off because we know who they are? We know their history and their reputation. And today quickly, just from this story, I want to quickly give you three things that you carry today that will help you to learn from this lady. That even though she had a bad reputation, she was referred to as a sinner that nobody would welcome in, her, in, your, in their home. She found favor with Christ on that particular day. We worship because we know We know the person we worship. We worship because we know the person we worship. I think for many of us, many times as Christians, we say we do, like Simon. And you put all these parties for him, for Christ. You do everything for him, but in your heart, you don't know who he is. No question today, do you know the person you worship? You and I could be laughing at this lady, but you and I could be Simon, the Pharisee, the man who puts himself to be the all-knowing, the teacher of everything. But yet Simon did not understand and even know who Jesus was. If you look at verse 37 and 38 of the scriptures we read early, it says that a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with the alabaster jar of perfume. Verse 38 says, as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured the perfume, perfume on them. I want to remind, to remind us today that when you know who you're worshiping, you don't feel embarrassed to give your time and money to serve him. I'll say that again. When you know who you worship, you don't feel embarrassed. This lady never, never felt embarrassed. You know, many times you see people cry in the presence of God. We see people lift up their hands. They know who they're doing for. And sometimes we point fingers, we judge them. I've seen when people dance for Christ. I've seen people do things for God and sometimes like, oh, that's not the way. How do you tell in their heart? They know who they are doing for. This lady, she came prepared. She had the perfume with her. She knew this is not just an ordinary man. She knew what she needed to do for this particular person. And she did it for this person because she knew who she, he was. But yet the man who invited Jesus in his house, he didn't know that. 
And sometimes I feel even embarrassed when I see preachers on TV pushing people to give. Giving, I know it's a good thing, but I see preachers using all different sort of language stuff to convince people to give to God. And I say, if people, if you know the person we give to, it should come from my heart. Do I need a, a special guest to come and talk about giving for me to give? <laughs> I mean, those of us who serve in this church, and I'm grateful most of us are involved in ministry, if you know who you worship, serving should not be something somebody should pull you to come and serve. It should not be. If all of us who are here to serve the person we worship, because for me, serving is worshiping him. If we can't serve him, in, if we can't worship by our service, then why am I different from Simon the, the Pharisee? I want to encourage us today that if you know who you worship, serving will not be a challenge for you. Giving will not be a challenge for you. Prayer will not be a challenge for you because you know who you serve. You know who you live for. You know who you worship in your day-to-day walk. Nobody there to tell you, you know that this is the man that you did this for me. And you worship them. Whether it's through your giving, through your serving, through your songs, through your prayer, through your lifestyle. It won't be a problem. It's good to have discipleship classes, but discipleship is to build us and help us to be because the faith and the commitment you made to the one that you called you should be enough for us to worship him. This lady was a sinner, but nobody convinced her to give this perfume. She saw Jesus, she never saw surprise. But Simon the Pharisee saw the price of this perfume, but he never saw the person. And I tell people, if it doesn't mean a lot for you, you see the special offer at Woolies and other places when you give. When everything else becomes a priority and God becomes number 10 on your list, you're not different from Simon the Pharisee. This woman knew what she was serving. She was worshipping. Do you know who you worship? The second thing I want to give you today you worship because you understand his mission. We worship because we understand his mission. You must understand that Jesus was living his mission. Isaiah prophesied his mission long time ago in Isaiah 6 to 1 verse 1. And Jesus confirmed this in Luke 4, 8 by saying that the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free. So if Christ came to rescue the oppressed, 
If Christ came to open the eyes of the blind, if Christ came to seek the sinners, if Christ came to deliver these people, and they're worshiping him, then what is our problem like Simon? Why would Simon have a problem? If Jesus was serving his mission to receive this lady as a sinner, to receive this lady as the one who was oppressed, to look after this lady that was denied in the community and rejected. Jesus was serving his mission, but Simon was confused. Simon could not understand this. Look what he says here. He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. And that's how many times he's doing in their hearts that if Jesus would know, do you, do you want to tell me that Jesus did not know who this woman was? Jesus knew this woman was a sinner. And Jesus knew that this lady she was seeking freedom. Jesus knew that this woman was seeking forgiveness. And that was his mission. That's why he came to do that. But the one so-called the Pharisee, the one so-called the priest, the teacher, is asking if Jesus knew. And that's what we do many times. That the people we condemn as Christians, the people that the very people that Jesus came to save, that the very people that we condemn to go to hell. That the very people that we feel they should not even deserve to be this and these places. Aren't we challenges as Christians that if we can understand the mission of Christ and partner with Jesus and, and help him to fulfill his mission, our worship will be complete in Christ. Like I said, we can see clearly that Simon did not understand the mission of Christ. Okay, the last point as I finish. We worship because we know what he did for us. We worship because we know what he did for us. Do you know what he did for you? I tell people, if I gave the whole of my salary, I know what he did for me. I know what he did for me. If I gave everything that he has in my life, I know what he did for me. I think of people like Hannah. Hannah cried for her child for many years. And God provided Samuel for Hannah. When Hannah received Samuel, she dedicated this baby back to God. I said, God, I'll dedicate this child back to you to serve you. And I'm sure people are asking, then why, why are you praying? We thought you were praying for somebody to come and inherit your kingdom, your property, to, to take care of your things, in your, when you, in, in, to carry out your name. But until you cut Hannah's heart, and walk in Hannah's shoes. 
she knew that whatever God did for me, you cannot take away from her. And I want to remind you today that whatever God has done for you, no one else can take it from you. And it's different for all of us. I don't know the journey that God has walked you through. When I see you fall in front here and cry, tears, and lift up your hands, I don't know what God has done in your journey. I don't know what God has done for you. I don't know where God picked you up and brought you here. I tell people, never, never admire somebody's journey. You see somebody there, never say that I wish I was them. You don't know where God has taken them from. You never know. I've met a lady who has been praying for a child for 15 years. And God gave them a baby after 15 years. Praying. When this lady stands up and worships God, can never be the same as mine. Because she knows her journey is not mine. Jesus responds to the Pharisee man. I'll call him the Pharisee man because <laughs> he's not the same as the Pharisee. You know, the, he's a man now. And tells him a parable. Let's look at this parable. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Now Simon is calling him teacher. Now he's trying to pretend that I know that you're a teacher, but yet he's questioning his knowledge about this woman. He's saying, teacher. Two people owned money to a certain money lender. One owned 5,000 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? It's a simple question. You may look at it that way. Sam replied, as opposed to the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she wept my feet with tears and wept them with her hair. You not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You would not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven and her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. This parable may look like it's easy, but it's, 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 this parable is so full of stuff. I love parables because when we're growing up kids, my, my, my mom will always tell us parables as we grew up kids. So 
parables is part of what parents share with us at home. But when I listen to this parable, if I was Simon, I wouldn't even answer this parable. Because, like I said, when you worship, you're giving not because you want him to give you something. You worship because you know what he's already given you. And I tell people, don't give because you want God to give you back. Give because you know how much he's given you. Between my wife and I, we made a commitment a long time ago that when it comes to money, we've agreed on a particular percentage we give to God. Not because somebody has asked us to do or has forced us to give it, but we know where God has brought us. We have families back at home. We try and send at least average $200 or $300 every month. To them, that is heaven. But locally here, you know, $200 is not much. You go to Woolies, you don't even carry two bags with $200. I mean, you walk to the petrol station, I used to fill up with, I don't know, 50 something dollars. Now 100, it's not even full. But we try to send two, $300 for people to buy food. But every time they send testimonies that you don't know how much that means, this means to us. They're so grateful. They're always saying as a testimony, thank you for sending this through for us. Because they know how much it means to us. And I tell you, friends, if you remember, understand what Christ has done for us as Christians, you don't need anybody to tell you to do what you have to do. Worship will be lifestyle. Worship will be part of you. Whether it's in serving, whether it's in giving, whether it's in doing whatever you do in your life, worship will not be something anybody will stand up on a pulpit and force you to do. Sometimes I feel sad when I see even a worship leader asking us even to express in a song and somebody is just looking like this. I tell people, I'm not a singer, but I can sing. I can sing. In the church, it doesn't matter whether the voice is F or E, but you can sing something. Sometimes, let's come and pray. I'm like, okay. I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. I'm just saying, you know, if you know what he's done for you, you don't have to be pushed. This lady, she didn't have anybody to tell you, buy perfume and take it to Christ. She never had an official invitation. The Bible says when she learned that Jesus was in the area, she got her perfume. She never asked somebody, okay, what is the procedure here, the protocol? She never bothered about the protocol. She went because she knew who she wanted to give it to. She knew the mission that Christ was up to. She knew what Christ has done for him, for her, sorry. And she just went and had this and, and she anointed Jesus' feet at that particular time. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And the other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? 
Can you imagine, like I said, if you don't know, sometimes we pretend the Pharisees were there, seated in official attire and, and sitting around the table around Jesus, and now they're asking even he forgives. They never knew that he forgives it. They never knew. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And today as I finish, I want to tell you today, you have a choice to be Simon or the woman. It's up to you. If you know who you worship, you understand his mission, and you know why, what he did for you. You don't have to wait for a bell or a, pro- a proper song or a, a best speaker to come from whatever to come and talk to you. Your life will manifest. Your life will express. Your journey will show the person you're living for. You don't have to tell people you're a Christian that your life will be magnified, that people can see Christ in your walk. Your speech will be magnified, that people can see the words that you speak about Christ. That when you speak into issues, people can tell that this is not just ideas, this is somebody who actually has thought about what he's talking about. Because they can tell from what you're saying, this is not just ordinary, this is somebody who fears God. It's my prayer that for each one of us today, that you choose to be like this lady. Understand that you are seeing us. But the mission of Christ came for us to deliver us, to help us to be where he has to help us to be. We are on a journey he's walking with us. He's saying you're not perfect, but I'm here because I came for the brokenhearted. I know your life is not perfect. I know your life is crooked, but I'm here to take you to this journey and walk with you if you choose to worship me and allow me to. Worship is about surrendering ourselves to him and telling him, Christ, I'm ready to surrender my life to you to walk with me in this journey. I serve you. I don't know what Jesus has done for you, but I know what he has done for me. I don't know what he's done for you. So when you see me kneel down and raise up my hands, don't judge me because I know what he's done for me. When you see me cry tears and bend on the floor, don't judge me because I know he has brought me. When you see me like Hannah, look like a drunkard person and crying on the altar every Sunday, I know where he's brought me. I know what he's done for me. I want you to pray that today, that as you leave this place, you're going to look into your journey yourself and ask yourself, that what is it that God that you've done for me that I can live this life to understand that forever? If you cannot remember anything else, he said that your sins have been forgiven. If nothing else he has never done for you, he's telling you your sins have been forgiven. Go in peace. Your sins have been forgiven. Go in peace. I want to believe that this woman was Mary. I said earlier that it's a debate between the theologians, you know, trying to see whether this is the same Mary or whatever. But 
from, from where I stand down to believe that this is Mary, Lazarus' sister. She knew where Jesus had gotten her from. She saw how Lazarus rose from the grave. I want you to sit with me and think of me. This lady, she was not perfect woman. She was not even in the society. She was nothing. And she saw where Jesus has brought her in her journey. She saw how Jesus pulled Lazarus from the grave and said, Lazarus, come forward. She knew how Jesus spoke to her family and helped her family to be where he... A, a bottle of perfume worth thousands of dollars is nothing to her. Because you don't see the price, you see the person. And I tell people, if you have to do it for Christ, it's not about the duty. It's not about the time you put in. It's about the person you're giving you up to. Prayer will not be a challenge for you. Singing will not be a challenge for you. Your lifestyle itself will speak for itself because you know who you're living for. We don't need, I don't need somebody to come and tell me this is how you have to live. Somebody can guide me, but if I believe that he... Christ is the one who came to save me. If I believe his mission was come and deliver me, if I believe what he's done for me in my journey and my family, I can wake up 5 a.m. in the morning and tell him, thank you, Jesus. I can stand here and raise my hands up and tell you, Father, I surrender to you without fearing whether people are watching me. I can kneel down without wondering whether my trousers will be dirty because I know that these clothes, they came from the money that he provided for me. Why don't we stand up and I invite Linda to come with the team? Let's stand on our feet because I want us to worship. I want you to raise up your voice and tell you, Father, thank you. Because I don't know your journey. You don't know my journey. I want you to use your own words and tell him, thank you, Jesus. Thank you because of what you've done in my life. Friends, people who don't understand what God has done for you will judge you the way you worship. People who don't understand what God has done for you judge when you give, when you do things, when you pray, because they don't understand the journey that God has brought for you. They can't see. It's only you who understands where God has brought you. And I pray that if you have forgotten everything else, know that your sins has been forgiven. That's the most important thing. Lord, thank you today. Thank you for your faithfulness, Father. That today we are here as your children. That many times we feel like Simon. We feel like we know you. We feel like we understand you. But yet we don't know you, God. The many of us here who come knowing that they're perfect, but yet they're not. And I pray, Lord, that you help us to see ourselves like this lady who knew that she was a sinner and she needed forgiveness. I pray, Lord, as we leave this place, that our hearts will be changed, that our lives will be transformed because of what you've done for us, oh God, and the journey that you're walking with us. And I pray for those that are feeling distant from you, those that are feeling lonely, those who are feeling that have been left. I pray, God, that may you reassure them and minister to them, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.